Chapter 17 Eggs As she approached the kitchen, Leah could hear the television announcing roadblocks across the country. Anyone within a 50-kilometre radius of the suspected outbreak was automatically under quarantine. She lifted the latch on the kitchen door. The television showed hospital wards, armed guards and people in biohazard suits, then switched to a frightened-looking politician telling the camera that everything was going to be all right. The outbreak was unconfirmed, tests were underway and in the meantime, people in the quarantined area were advised to stay at home. As far as possible, they were to avoid contact with other people. That's us, isn't it? Leah asked from the doorway. Less than 50 kilometres from Limerick. I was hoping to get back to Dublin today. I don't think there's any real danger, said Kit. We're very isolated, but we are in the quarantine zone. Is there something that you have to get back for? Not really, said Leah. I just want to go home. Kit nodded sympathetically. I don't blame you after what happened last night. Did you sleep okay? Really well, said Leah, looking around the kitchen. Where's your little boy? Well, the kitchen was by no means tidy. It showed none of the usual traces of children. Kit and her father exchanged glances. Leah felt suddenly nervous. He had a bad dream in the middle of the night. Kit's face cleared. You met Thomas. He gets dreadful nightmares. I didn't want to wake you, so I told him a story and then we both went back to sleep. He must have got up early and gone back to his own room. He's an early riser, said Kit, wiping the table. Thanks so much for settling him. He's adorable, said Leah. You must have been very young having him. I'm older than I look said Kit, handing Leah a steaming cup of tea. Anyway, he's gone to stay with his dad for a couple of days. How do you like your eggs done? The only eggs that Leah had eaten in the last few years had come in powdered form. John Reardon lifted a basket from the dresser and put it on the table in front of her. Six eggs, brown and slightly irregular, lay in a nest of straw. Leah took one and held it reverently in cupped hands. She felt suddenly inclined to cry. You don't think, she said slowly, that something's ever going to be the last one. Like we used to have eggs whenever we wanted, and then they got expensive, and then they just weren't in the shops anymore. Don't know what you've got till it's gone, said John Reardon. Someone wrote a song about that. He whistled a few bars from the tune. Leah sat down at the table and buttered a slice of toast. The butter was whitish and tasted sour. Joan Reardon laughed at the expression on her face. Country butter, that's not something you'll find in the shops. You can't get any sort of butter anymore, said Leah, chewing. Just golden delight. Have some honey. Don't suppose you can get that up in Dublin. Leah cut a section of honeycomb. We actually do have honey, believe it or not. There are beehives on the roof of the Soul Trader HQ. According to Takashi Matsumoto, who managed the bees, Soul Trader's beehive project was more about pollination than producing tiny quantities of honey. The cities had escaped the worst effects of rainfall. Now there were more flowers in urban gardens than there were in the countryside. Last year, every worker, including the janitors and the cleaning staff, 
had received a tiny presentation pot of honey along with their Christmas bonus. Most of them had taken it home so that their children would know what real honey tasted like. The ones that don't have kids, I think they sold it, said Leah, trying not to calculate the street value of the slab of honeycomb in front of her. She realised that she was holding her breath and exhaled very slowly. John Reardon was whistling again, but didn't seem aware that he was doing it. You know I wouldn't tell anyone, Leah said hastily. Of course you wouldn't, said Kit, carefully lifting boiled eggs from a pan. There's the salt. Leah's hands remembered how to top an egg, even as her mind was marvelling at the reprieve of this simple, once familiar act. She ate it slowly, and when it was finished, broke the bottom of the shell. Witches can use your eggshells to cross water. Her grandmother used to tell her that. She didn't believe it, but she did it anyway. The television, its settings switched to mute, broadcast scenes of chaos from across the country. A medical professional, stethoscope around her neck, gesticulating unhappily. Hospital beds enclosed in plastic canopies. Angry people at a roadblock, held back by frightened guards. The scene switched to an aerial view of Limerick, roads congested with lines of cars trying to leave the city. The traffic was at a standstill. John Reardon reached for the remote and extinguished the television with an enormous thumb. No point in troubling ourselves about something we can do nothing about. I'll need a hand getting that car out of the ditch. Yeah, said Kit, let's get that done. Would you like to borrow a pair of wellies, Leah? And gloves. That hogsbane's rotten stuff if you get it on your skin. Please, said Leah, I'll just go and get changed. She shut the door behind her, walked a few paces down the passageway, and very quietly retraced her steps. She heard Kit's voice, urgent and unhappy. I wish you'd let me tell her. It's not fair. John Reardon replied in a voice so low that Leah couldn't make out what he said. Well, she can't go anywhere now, said Kit. Anyway, I'm glad she has to stay. In the darkness of the passageway, Leah blushed. She pressed her cheek against the cool, damp wall until the flush subsided. Leah ran up the back stairs and down the corridor to her bedroom. The glyph stood with its back to the window. She slammed the door behind her and faced the digital entity with rage. What the fuck is going on? The glyph turned and surveyed her coldly. Elaborate? Its impersonation skills were getting better, she realised. That deeply annoying manner was pure Ronan. He hated it when she made a fuss. But, while she made a general effort to stay calm around her brother, she saw no reason to extend the same courtesy to the glyph. One, I've been lured down here by a megalomaniac narcissist. Two, this house is haunted. Three, I can't leave because of the moon plague. Four, Kit and her dad are hiding something from me. That's a bit of a clusterfuck if you ask me. I concur, the glyph observed. Your summary analysis appears to be correct and your apprehensions are reasonable. I need to talk to Ethan Blake, said Leah through gritted teeth. Now, he's the one that put me in this situation and he may not know exactly what's going on, 
but he definitely knows more than he told me. The glyph consulted. Not possible, it said momentarily. Ethan Blake is asleep. All his devices have been disconnected for the next eight hours, and I have no authorization to override. How much does he know? I do not have access to that information, but logical deduction supports your theory that he has a more in-depth understanding of the situation than you do. So, is the Moon Plague outbreak real, or is it just a ruse to keep me here? The suspected Moon Plague outbreak, the glyph corrected her. The nature of the disease has not yet been confirmed, but yes, it is an external event. It is true that Ethan Blake has manipulated the circumstances that brought you here, but he does not have sufficient influence to bring the entire country to a halt. Leah thought that she would reserve judgment on that. It seemed to her that Ethan Blake had a great deal of resources and no respect for any sort of boundaries. So where are they getting the food? Kit wants to tell you, said the glyph. I recommend that you give her an opportunity to do so. How do you know she wants to tell me? The glyph cracked the knuckles of Ronan's beautiful hands in a way that made her want to throttle it. You were wearing the glasses at breakfast, it observed mildly. I am privy to your conversations when you do so. Leah tore off the spectacles and flung them down on the bed. Rooting myopically in her luggage, she found her old spectacles and put them on. The world appeared in low resolution. She blinked and tried to focus, but could no longer see the detail in the room. Leah changed the glasses once again. The room was crystal clear and the glyph was waiting. Have these glasses done something to my eyes? Knowing what she did of Ethan Blake, she wouldn't put it past him. The device is designed to create user dependency. Leah eyeballed the digital entity in horror. What's that meant to mean? There is a flaw in the prototype. Now that symbiosis has occurred, removing the device for a protracted period of time could permanently damage your eyesight. Leah picked up the nearest chair and hurled it at the blameless glyph with such force that it shattered against the fireplace. Even Trevor, notoriously wary of biometric devices, had not foreseen this particular hazard. She gripped the glasses by the frame, sorely tempted to twist their hinges apart and crush their lenses under her heel. I wouldn't do that, said the glyph hastily. Leah battled waves of fury and concluded that it had a point. Destroying the glasses would be shooting herself in the foot. Does Ethan Blake know about this? That information is not available, but since he wears the only other prototype and has done so for several months, the logical assumption is that he is aware of the flaw. Leah cursed Ethan Blake at length and in great detail in every language that she knew. Italian was the best. Eventually, she paused to draw breath. Is that not illegal? There is relevant legislation. Do you plan to sue Ethan Blake? Nobody, as far as Leah was aware, had ever sued Ethan Blake and won. Whatever the injustices of the situation, it was not a sensible use of her scant resources. She sat on the edge of the bed, 
and considered her options. She had accepted a hundred thousand euro gift, albeit one that caused permanent physical harm. And there was a further one hundred thousand euro currently resting in her account. The damage, Leah concluded, had already been done. When she saw an opportunity to revenge herself on Ethan Blake, she would take it. In the meantime, if she wanted to see beyond her nose, she would have to endure the glyph. At least it gave me a straight answer, she thought, as she located the outfit that Martha had selected for outdoor activities. <laughs>